Welcome to the Psychic Spectrum Radio Show, where your hosts for the next hour are Jerron and Skip Line Gang, who after 43 years of marriage and working together as psychics and mediums, perform private readings as well as put on events for you to experience the metaphysical, all the while keeping it real and down to earth. Sharon and Skip regularly conduct more than 64 events each year. That's over five events every month for you to attend and learn from. The Psychic Spectrum's website is psychicspectrum.com, where you can learn more about the events we create and host and where they are. You can also see how to schedule a private reading or a talking to the other side appointment with the two of us. In a few moments, we're going to be talking or taking calls from you and can talk with our guest, who's Peter Davenport today. So you can call now to get in line because if you wait till the last minute, it doesn't always seem to work. So here's the numbers for calling in if you have any questions for Peter Davenport that is a UFO reporting. Um, what Help me, Skip. He's the... National UFO National, Reporting Center, New Fork. Yes. That is what it's called. New, okay. In Newfork.org. And I, I think. think it's kind of cool that when we first started this whole, our store part, mm-hmm. and we had that classroom in the back, yes. Peter Davenport was yes, there. Yes, he did. Yeah, he this was. is like the second time. This is so cool. It, and also, the numbers to call are 425-373-5527 or toll-free 888 5569. So here's a word about our sponsor. About our sponsor, Ginger's Pet Rescue. Ginger's Pet Rescue is one of the largest nonprofit pet rescue organizations in Washington State, specializing in saving death row dogs. As of this airing, Ginger's Pet Rescue has saved well over 17,000 dogs. Go to the website and find an adoption event near you. You can also volunteer to help at events, or you can foster a dog until they can be adopted. Ginger's Pet Rescue is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and accepts your tax-deductible donations. The website, again, is gingerspetrescue.org. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. And what a wonderful world it is. And I just want to add one more thing to that last little message you heard about Ginger's Pet Rescue. Because today she and tomorrow she's having an adoption event. And it's in Renton at the Sierra Fish and Pets, 601 South Grady Way. The pet adoption event runs from 11 a.m. to 4, Saturday and Sunday. And if you mention the Psychic Spectrum Radio Show, Ginger will give you $100 off of your adoption fees. If you need more info, go to gingerspetrescue.org. That's a deal. That $100, is a deal. You know, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Welcome back. This is the Psychic Spectrum Radio Show. We want to acknowledge and thank our call screener, Sharon James. He's also a one of the psychics on our panel on the Psychic Showcase every Wednesday. And we also want to acknowledge and thank our production engineer, the man behind the curtain, the wizard, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Today, we're talking with Peter Davenport, who's the director of the National UFO Reporting Center. We're taking calls from you, and you can talk with our guests, so you call now. If you've ever observed a UFO or have a question about them, now is a great chance to talk about it with Peter. Our call numbers, once again, are 425-373-5527 and toll-free at 888-298-5569. All right, so Peter is on the telephone with us today, only because the New Fork organization is located in another city in Washington State. Otherwise, Peter would be with us live in the studio. So, Peter, welcome to our show, and thank you for spending this time with us. Well, thank you very much, Skip and Sharon. I'm delighted to be here and uh, looking forward to talking UFOs for the next hour. Woohoo! And I by love the way, stuff. I'm having a very hard time hearing either one of you. Oh. So oh. Maybe if they, your engineer could raise the volume a little bit, I'll be able to hear a little bit better. Okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll try that. Okay. We'll, we'll see yeah. if we can get this bit going better. How is this? I'll is get a little, a little closer. bit better. Okay. Okay. Maybe we got to get closer to our mic for yeah. some reason. Okay. That's cool. Okay. All right. So, Peter, um, long time no talk to, but I hear you on the Coast to Coast Radio with George Norrie when you're on there. Yeah. And yeah, the, the updates. very generous to me and oh, yeah. with me and letting me uh, share with their audience the what's going on in the UFO field. 
And it, there's, there's a lot of stuff. I love hearing him talk about it. Every, every time we hear you, we have a, a ritual where we'll turn the clock radio on with the, the timer, and we just lay down and go to bed, and when it shuts off, we're probably asleep. Um, but anyhow, we listen to you at the beginning of the show mm-hmm. when you make your announcements, and it's always interesting. Um, Thank you. Uh, it, it's, it's nice to know that there's like-minded people, like-minded experiencers out there all over the world, let alone the country, who have these different things happen. They see things, the incidents that go on. And the National UFO Reporting Center being the center of hopefully attraction, and I hope it grows more and more, for taking all of these and tracking these things. Yeah, that's a a lot of work. You track the UFO sightings and incidents all around the world, let alone the country, because I know I've heard you talk about getting them in other places or from other other places, other countries. But why do you track these things? Uh, It's a very good question, Skip, and I (laughs) ask myself that question all the time. (laughs) As you said, Sharon, it's a great deal of work. I think you just commented to that that effect a moment ago. Yeah, it is. I can only imagine. And it, it amounts to, I spend, I either work or am on call two shifts a day, seven days a week. Wow. The only time I'm really free from the hotline is when I'm sound asleep and I turn the ringer off. But wow. it's a great deal of work, and I ask myself that question all the time. Why would a person do what I've done over the last 24 years? I took over the hotline just about 24 years ago last month. I think it was the 27th of uh, August, 1994, wow. and I've been running it ever since, and I ask myself, why would a rational person do that? And I have no adequate answer for it. Well, you're, you're going to have to have, I mean, passion. That's got to be a passion. Yep. I mean, it's it just something in you that, that you just have to do it. Well, it is a passion, I agree. That pretty well sums it up. And I'm unapologetic about my passion because if our planet is being visited by intelligent creatures from other parts of our galaxy, or, God forbid, other other galaxies, then that is important news, important oh, yeah. news that major newspapers are ignoring and our government is shielding us from. And that's altogether inappropriate. Oh, so definitely. If there's one thing that keeps me moving forward with this job, it is those two items, the fact that we're being lied to and the fact that no other individuals, no other institutions are covering it adequately, save for uh, radio programs like Psychic Spectrum and uh, uh, Coast to Coast. Why do you think they're covering it up? Why do I think what? Why do you think that they're covering it up? That is one of the questions I am most keen on trying to answer. Ah. And wh- I will default to the my greatest concern and that is the possibility that our government this planet and various events on it are being run or influenced by alien creatures we appear to be dealing with creatures that are extremely intelligent or at least have a very sophisticated technology that they can use to their benefit and i want to know uh, the answer to that question, yeah, whether they might be, they might have insinuated themselves into our governments and running things, and for God only knows what purpose and to what advantage to them. That's not the first time I've heard that theory, and it is. It's kind of scary. Yeah, it's very scary. When I look at the bad things that happen, in many cases because of the activities of government. I could cite a simplistic example in citing the U.S. debt, mm-hmm. $23 trillion now. Mm-hmm. And I ask myself, is that something that humans would just naturally do out of hand because of lassitude or inattention to detail? Or could this be something that is being done to us intentionally with an objective, future objective in mind? Well, I don't have an adequate answer to that. But I don't believe it's an unreasonable question. I don't to, think so either. To ask. 
Not in this day and age with all this stuff going on. Yeah, I don't think it's an unreasonable question to ask at all. But tell me something before we go on any further. Go backwards a little bit in time. Tell us a little bit about Peter. What got you into this field? Well, I'm asked that question frequently, and I really welcome the question, and I love to talk about it. I saw a UFO when I was, I believe, six and a half years old, and people can read my written report uh, about it. I believe it was July or August of 1954. I was six and a half years of age. At the time, I lived in St. Louis with my parents and my older brother. And one night, my father, who worked at the airport, had to go out to his office at, after dinner. So we took him to go to, to his office, and my mother and brother and I drove our 1953 Studebaker around to the other side of the St. Louis Municipal Airport, where there was a drive-in theater. And late in the movie we were watching, and I've forgotten the title of the movie, but uh, we were focused on the screen, and suddenly a disturbance started brewing in the theater. We didn't know if it was a fight or whether somebody was injured or it might be a fire or some kind of emergency situation. And people were getting out of their cars, ignoring the movie, and focusing up to... Uh, they were looking generally to the east. Hmm. And I looked out the right-hand side of that 53 Studebaker <laughs> and saw the most magnificent object I think I've ever seen in my life. Brilliantly bright red, and it looked somewhat oval. Uh, I always liken it to the, the symbol that CBS uses as its logo. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The CBS eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it suddenly accelerated, and it covered about 120 degrees of arc, a third of a circle from where I sat, and it covered that distance in, I would say, under two seconds. Wow. It was a very dramatic sighting. Whenever our family got together, we would always talk about that event and ask rhetorically, just what was that object we saw? And my father saw it from the control tower, at the time, and he didn't like to talk about it. My mother would talk about it, but she was very uncomfortable in discussing the possibility of UFOs. Wow, that's but that's cool. If there's one thing I could point a figure at that would explain to another person why I run the National UFO Reporting Center today, it would be that incident. Yep. And Be- I've had a few other sightings since. Uh, it took me 36 years to see my next one, and I've seen a few since that time. Wow. Well, Peter, do you think, even back in 1953, that the government was telling your dad not to talk about it? Is that why he felt kind of uneasy about talking about it? I don't know the answer to that question, and if I had been a little older at the time and a little more mature than I was at six and a half years of age, uh, I would have asked him that question. Uh-huh. But the other people who were present with him in the control tower, of course, were control tower operators. Yeah. And, of course, they're controlled, no pun intended, by the U.S. government. They, At that time, it was called the CAA. Today it's called the FAA. Yeah. And uh, my suspicion is the government probably does talk to people who are involved in UFOs, UFO sighting events, to keep them quiet. But we get a lot, surprisingly, a lot of calls and a lot of information from FAA air traffic controllers oh. and a lot of tapes, I might say. Cool. So. Hmm. Very interesting. uh, I think those people recognize that we're dealing with something that is very real and very important. Well, Hmm. you know, I I always wondered if the control towers, if they when they see blips and stuff that are not planes, I wonder if they if they acknowledge them or they have to keep it quiet or they just pretend like they're not there. I often wondered about that. Well, I can cite two examples that our listeners can look at on our website. Number one is the 
famous Phoenix Lights event. Yeah. Uh, the air traffic controllers in the tower at Sky Harbor Airport in Phoenix uh, saw those objects go right over the airport. In fact, they received radio reports from the crews of airplanes that were preparing to push back from their uh, gates and refused to do so as long as that object was hovering over Sky Harbor Airport. Wow. And those air traffic controllers, all they had to do was look out their window, and I'm sure they did, and saw exactly what those airline crews were talking about. Another case I would cite is, and this is posted to our website as well, is uh, June 22nd, year 2000, a commercial airliner over Providence, Rhode Island, had an object go right by it, and the pilot was so shaken he called the TRACON, the FAA facility, radar facility, to ask them if they had it on radar. I got the audio and the radar data for this case through a Freedom of Information Act request, and you can hear the pilot talking to the TRACON operator, (laughs) the pilot asks whether they have anything near his aircraft. And initially they respond, no, FAA says, no, we have nothing. Seconds later, the FAA came back and said, we have it now, and it has reversed its course, and it is trailing your aircraft. Oh, my gosh. So there's some pretty dramatic events that have occurred that are not well known even in the UFO community. Mm-hmm. I, wonder, I, I read I that on your that, site. You know? I think that's the one I read on your site, one of the ones I read. Yep. Wow. Well, listen, we're going to take a break here, Peter. We've got a little, little quick announcement to do. Um, but we're going to come back and talk more with Peter, discuss some particular sightings that have been reported to the National UFO Reporting Center. And, uh, again, if you want to call in and talk to Peter about um, a UFO experience or a sighting, or even if you're a doubter, a debunker, call. Yeah. Um, our number is 425-373-5527 and toll-free at 888-298-5569. The Psychic Showcase is a weekly event that Sharon and Skip have been doing for eight years in Fife at the Poodle Dog Restaurant. It's called the Psychic Showcase because we showcase some of the most talented speakers, readers, astrologers, and palmists on the West Coast. This is a weekly event and it's every Wednesday evening. Come in early and get a psychic reading, an astrology reading, or a palmistry reading, or more. From one of the most highly professional readers on our panel, you can order from the menu and have dinner and desserts before or during the event. The doors open at 5.30 p.m. for readings, and the program starts at 7. Admission is just $5 per person, and everyone who attends gets a free psychometry reading from someone on the panel. For more information on this and our other events, go to our website at PsychicSpectrum.com. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to the Psychic Spectrum radio show with Skip and Sharon. And we are talking today with Peter Davenport from the National UFO Reporting Center, or, excuse me, newfork.org is the website. And Peter, I have another question for you. I want to know... The, the, all of the data you collect, does the government, have you had any indications that the government has tapped into this or has used this or has referenced this in any way? I suspect they have, but I don't know for sure. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I discovered that uh, Bass, Bigelow Aerospace, apparently has taken my data and analyzed it. Uh, I don't know the circumstances of that, but I have somebody inside the organization that suggested to me that they had somehow lifted our data. Whether they have the entire database or not, I don't know, but they clearly are working in concert with the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that's an inaccurate statement because the government gave them, what was it, $22 million dollars to build buildings and uh, provide uh, a residence for UFO evidence. 
that's been collected by the government over the years. I don't know the details of what they what they're called upon to do by the government, but uh, wow. I suspect the government monitors the information coming to me on a regular basis. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I think they'd be crazy not to. Um, well, you know. that just tells me that they're worried something's going to be found. Oh, do you ever get hassled by any government agencies, or, or do they like? Are you warned to not make things public on certain things, or has there ever, ever been any kind of a pushback from the government? Not that I can certify, although I have certain suspicions. Mm. Uh, one twenty-four years ago, when I first took over the hotline, they discovered people realized that I didn't turn off the ringer on my telephone when I went to bed. And probably on a dozen or more cases, the same fellow would call me right after I'd fallen off to sleep. And I think they were trying to put me in a condition of sleep deprivation, hoping uh-huh. that I would uh, give up the hotline relatively uh-huh. quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, more recently, in fact, just a year ago, I think it was April 27th of 2017, I started receiving literally hundreds of prank calls every day from my re- children. I remember that. You I remember you talking about, about that on Coast yeah. to Coast with George. Yeah, well, it, it still continues to a degree. Wow. And I, all I can do is conjecture, but... That would be the perfect way to wear somebody down if they knew the internal operation of this yeah. center. Yeah. Because, uh, and they almost did it, but they I don't think they calculated properly on just how stubborn I am. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably the reason you were given the, the task and you know, it came to you yeah. as, to take over as director. Yeah. Yeah. I've wondered about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't so, doubt that. So tell me this, the, the the New Fork, the UFO Reporting Center, how do you get funding? I mean, do you go out and pick cotton, or are you selling potatoes <laughs> on the side of the road, or are you <laughs> able to take donations from outside sources? Or, or We how? welcome small donations from people who would like to support our operation, but you're talking to the principal source of uh, funding for the National UFO Reporting Center as we speak. Oh, okay. Uh, it's It has always been funded out of the pocket of the director. My predecessor, Robert J. Gribble, who founded the National UFO Reporting Center and its hotline, paid for virtually all of his expenses. Telephone, of course, he didn't have Internet prior to his turning it over to me. Uh-huh. But uh, we welcome... Uh, modest donations we don't want to uh, we don't want to make anybody impoverished uh, over this issue but right if people have an extra five or ten or twenty five or fifty dollars that they would like to invest in the UFO center uh, we would welcome that contribution well you know it's not something that's uh, uh, here today and gone tomorrow it's obviously been a, a long a long history and I don't think it's going anywhere, and I think it's a, a well-needed thing because it gives people, just to hear you talk on the radio with us oh, yeah. or with George or whoever, and it just gives, you got to get the word out there that these things are going on. Yeah. And, you know, and I think it's a great thing. So how can somebody donate to the uh, New Fork um, cause? Well, I'm sort of a technology Luddite, so we don't have... <laughs> buttons on our website that you can click and send us money to send money to our bank account uh-huh. but they're welcome to mail a check to the National UFO Reporting Center PO Box 700 uh, Davenport Washington 99122 Okay that address again is PO Box 700 Davenport Washington like my name of course I was going to say you got a city named after you Sure, it's just irony that it turned out that way. That's so sure. cool. <laughs> that like is it. cool. I like that it. Code is 99122. That tells me right there, Peter, you you were destined to do this. Yeah, I think so. I was tasked <laughs> by some force that I am not yet familiar with. <laughs> well, I, well I hope you don't meet him for a while. 
<laughs> I'd like to move into. Um, oh, hey, more. is that is that tax de- deductible if you give a donation? Well, we are a Washington State nonprofit corporation, but oh, we are not a federal 501c3. So I believe it is not oh. tax deductible. And people ask why I don't go down the 501c3 road. The problem is one of the stipulations, uh, if you apply for a 501c3 status with the IRS, is they reserve the right to come and go through all of your oh. records. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you. so. I don't think so, Tim. I, I wouldn't do that either. <laughs> no. No. No I way. Think they probably get enough of it anyway. Yep. Yeah, I understand that one. So okay. I, they have no authority in my life, and I don't want them going through yeah, any I, of this material. I don't blame you. But you are there. You don't know how many people that have just opened up to this whole thing that you're helping understand and even give validity to. So, yeah. I I applaud you for that. Thank you very much. Yeah, your work Thanks is for the kind word. Your work is important. Don't think it goes unnoticed. You may not hear it, but don't think it goes unnoticed. Exactly. Yep. So, can I, we talk about some specific cases that that I've I've read on your website? Um, you sent a couple, a few of these to me. Uh, for today's purposes, um, I, I noticed one common theme, and it's obvious. There's always a color with these things: uh, white, red, mm-hmm. orange. Um, oh yes. And I mean, I, it's a heat signature or a color of whatever. Maybe the vapors in the air. Who knows? But I've noticed that these things here. Uh, let's back up. What's the difference between a UFO? And a U.S.O. Well, a U.F.O. is an unidentified flying object. I think you said a U.S.O. Correct. I'm yes. still having a little diff. I'm having to concentrate to understand oh. what you're both saying. But a U.S.O. S is in Sierra is an uh, unidentified submerged object. If that was the question, Skip. Like, yes, that was it. It's yeah. like ones that go under the water. Yeah. Right. And there have been some really, really dramatic cases of uh, uh, submerged UFOs. Of course, this has come out recently since the article in the New York Times last December, December 16th, about the object that was in the Pacific Ocean that those two F-18 pilots witnessed. But interestingly, your your question just stimulated... uh, uh, recollection in my memory. I think it was six or eight years ago that a an airline pilot was in Mexico. Uh, I think he was in Cancun, if I'm not mistaken. And he and his fiancée were on, a, I think, the sixth floor of a hotel, sitting on their balcony, looking out over the water. Yeah. And the pilot asserts, and you can read the report, in a, on our database, he asserts he saw six or eight orange objects come directly out of the water, form a group just above, very short distance above the water, and I'm going on memory now, they suddenly accelerated straight up yeah. and disappeared from his sight. I remember hearing about that. That oh. report is, I'm sure, still on our website. It was a very memorable one. I talked to the airline pilot. And uh, he was very sincere, I felt, about his report. Hmm. Now, well, that, that's kind of like the Glendale, Arizona incident at Lake Pleasant area, um, where there was 150 orange objects that were sighted. All together? Oh, are you talking about the sighting... Submitted by the retired uh, Arizona Highway Patrol Office. Yes. Yeah, Glendale, Arizona. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, September 28, 2013, I believe. That That's was. it. Yes. At nine, at, uh, let's see, 1915 hours. Yeah. Oh, that was a wonderful case. He was uh, actually standing in his house at, in Glendale, Arizona, which is on the northwest corner of Phoenix. And he saw a couple or three, I believe it was, 
orange objects go streaking from his left to his right as he faced the northern sky. And he was so shocked by what he saw, he raced outside onto the deck of his house to see if he could see those objects disappearing to the east. They were long gone by the time he got outside, but while he stood there on his deck, he saw another 140 or 145 orange objects go streaking by in clusters. And I, I feel very comfortable with that case because I talked at least twice with that gentleman, mm-hmm. and I was impressed with how sincere he seemed to be. But the, the, it is a very interesting uh, situation in the sense that why didn't other people in Glendale see and report the same object? Exactly. And this happens all the time. Uh, dramatic sightings like that take place, and only, usually only one, occasionally two witnesses or groups of witnesses will ever report it. And it's one of the great mysteries of ufology is why we didn't have thousands of reports that night reporting uh, up to 150 orange objects. That is a good question. Where could they hide 150 U- spaceships? Where do they hide? U- UFOs. I mean, where could 150 have been that nobody wouldn't have seen 150 things? Isn't that strange? There was another case. I think it's in the list I sent you, Skip. Uh, the 1st of June, 2012, St. Louis. Oh, uh, yes. A police officer was driving with his wife and their infant child south out of St. Louis on Interstate 55, Mm -hmm. and as they were proceeding at 60 miles an hour or so, the police officer who was behind the driver's wheel looked off to his quartering right, and he saw a dozen or two orange objects streaking from west to east, and there were other people on the highway. I know that because there, these objects may have been the cause of an accident that occurred that caused this police officer to have to put on his police uniform, figuratively <laughs> speaking, and go to work as an accident investigator. So, But he was the only person out of all those people on the highway to report the phenomenon. Hmm. In fact, these events lead me to believe that out of somewhere between 10,000 and 20,000 people who see a likely UFO, a bona fide alien spaceship, out of 10,000 to 20,000 people who've seen one, I estimate that only one person will ever report it. Wow. Isn't that odd? Yeah, that really is odd. Well, with people being kind of trained... Uh, or get, they get the mindset from an early age on that don't talk about things like this. Yeah, but that's a lot of people that never report it. Well, that report, Peter, says 20 to 30 glowing orange orbs yes. absolutely silent and sequentially disappeared at a certain point in the sky when they finally reached it. Like yep. they had a place to hide or go into a mothership yeah, or isn't whatever. Yeah, weird? Yep. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, um... Maybe they video, could cloak it. His wife took a video record of most of the incident. Yeah. Whatever happened to that, do we know? I, we never received the video. This happens all the time. People come out of their box swinging. I got video. I got photos. Would you send it? I asked them. Oh, yes, I'll send it. And we never see it. We try to get back to them to get copies. And one thing or another prevents them from doing it. Well, very, very frustrating. I know one thing that would probably make it a real hassle is when you have a video to send through the Internet over a certain size, most email systems oh, won't let you send it. You have to have too. a way to compress it. Yeah. Yep. And I use a system when we do our, our readings for people, hour, hour and a half long, I compress them and then send them out through that, that system. Yeah, so, that helps, but you can also put it on uh, YouTube or Bing. That's true. Oh, that's and true, too. Post it on the Internet and then yep. send the link to that video. That's yeah. what I usually Well, maybe they're gung-ho in the beginning, and then they get told they can't do it. Good yeah. possibility. 
Happened a lot in uh, what's the uh, Roswell yeah, incident? Yeah, the Roswell thing. I mean, maybe they just for generations said, I, "If I were you, I wouldn't send that picture." Yeah, yeah. You never so, know. Good photos are very rare. Although just yesterday, last night, we posted a very interesting video from Ensenada, Baja, California, on our homepage. I encourage people to take a look at that. Uh, six adults down in Ensenada saw, I think it was the 29th of August, so just a few days ago, saw a line of white lights, upwards of 20 of them, let's say roughly one to two dozen lights uh, that were hovering above the horizon, above the Pacific Ocean, out west of Ensenada. And the gentleman had the presence of mind to get very high-quality video footage, Ooh. and he sent us the link. That link is on our homepage now. Wow. Another case huh. in that list of cases I sent you, Skip, mm -hmm. is from uh, New York City. I yes, I got that. remember the incident. It was on a Friday night, the 15th of September, 1995, uh, young woman was riding the Staten Island Ferry from the tip of Manhattan mm -hmm. south to Staten Island, and suddenly there was a disturbance that started brewing on the boat. People were running over to the port side of the ship, the ferry boat, and an object had risen out of the water. This is within a couple miles of the tip of Manhattan, New York City, and it paced the ferry boat. And I, I'm hard put to describe it. It was not a disc. It was not a triangle. It was not a glowing sphere. Those constitute most of the reports. It looked like a city to the people who were looking at it. Yeah, and I remember reading that. MUFON did a wonderful job of documenting that case and doing a, uh, uh, preparing a video presentation of it. I have a copy of that video, and it's very good. Wow. Did he say city? Yeah, it looked like a city. Uh-huh. It looked like a city. That was yeah. I have no explanation for wow. that. But Let's the just... one reason I suspect that something very unusual took place there is the people reported that the water beneath the object that apparently had risen out of the, the uh, water was being frothed and whipped uh, in in a fury. Yeah, by that object. By that object, apparently. That that makes me think of the movie Men in Black when the little cat had that whole universe and that little thing under his collar. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. never know. <laughs> All right, we're going to stop there right there and take a quick break. Ah, shoot. Um, we got another <laughs> announcement to make that people need to know about because that event is tonight. Join Sharon and Skip at their next Talking to the Other Side event. Sharon and I have held this event every month for over 18 years. This event happens on the first Saturday evening of every month. We meet in a group setting. We spend three full hours with the group, and we will use our psychic slash medium abilities to take as many questions from you and provide answers as we can. Your questions can be about any topic, whether it's something you're facing or you need direction on. We will also talk with those who've passed on, providing one more time for you to communicate with them, showing that they are not really gone and that their connection has never left us. We make it fun, we keep it lively, and we keep it real and down to earth. You can order dinner or desserts from the menu before or during the program. Doors open at 5 p.m. and the event goes from 6 to 9 p.m. But you can come and go anytime you like during the program. This event has constantly been sold out, so remember to get there early and save your seat. The cost is only $20 per person, and remember that you have two psychic mediums to talk with for three full hours, as we make it a point to talk with every person attending. For more information on this and our other events, go to our website at PsychicSpectrum.com. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. I love that song. But I tell you, tonight's the night, first Saturday of the month. I'm looking forward to it. It's always a fun event. And the people, I just love seeing the people's faces when they get confirmations from people that's passed over, you know. It just is like they get 10 years younger. Mm -hmm. It's just such a, it's a, I can't even put it in words, but it's such a cool it's a event. It's psychological and mental and spiritual help. I guess. I, I, I just, the energy is so cool. But anyway, 
remember the the new start date too, where it's six o'clock and not seven o'clock for the ones that right. Um, from yeah, s- so from six to nine p.m. Yeah, doors they, open at five. Yeah, and you can get dinner and stuff. They got a good blackberry pie. I'll tell you that. But we are talking with Peter Davenport today, of which I could talk for hours with this gentleman about UFO sightings and incidents because I love this topic. This and Bigfoot are my two big topics. <laughs> and, and Peter is more than willing to take your call. Don't be shy. If you have any questions or if you want to tell us about an incident of something or that you saw or experienced, feel free to call in at 425-373-5527 or toll free at 888-298-5569. So Peter, tell us some more. Well, one case I always like to talk about because of the quality of the witness is a case uh, from 2013, the year 2013. It was July 5th, and it uh, was a sighting report submitted by a retired U.S. astronaut down in Athens, Texas. He's, oh, wow. He lives there. He, uh, it was the 5th of July, 2013. He and his wife and their adult daughter were standing outside their home in Athens, Texas, the wife was facing the eastern sky, the astronaut was facing west, and his wife said, honey, what's this? And he wheeled around just in time to see a couple red objects streak overhead heading west, and he followed them as they went to the western horizon. He could follow them a long ways because even at an advanced age in retirement, he had very good vision. Yeah. And just as he, the first two disappeared, his wife said, here comes some more. And he wheeled around and saw two more. I think they were red objects, if I'm not mistaken. And they headed, they followed the same flight path across the sky that the first ones had. And... All told, I think he saw eight or a dozen of those objects. And uh, I talked to him on several occasions over the telephone. And he emphasized that he uh, he was familiar with just about everything that flew. He had started life as a fighter pilot, transitioned to the airlines, and then became a, uh, an astronaut aboard the space shuttle. Had two flights on the space shuttle. Wow, you can't you can't argue with that. Those no. are pretty good credentials. Yeah, well, on top of the fact I that think, he had very good vision. I think astronauts know more than they can say. I suspect so too. I, sure. You know, it's kind of weird that when they come back, all of a sudden they either have to go somewhere because they have a nervous breakdown or something. I think, I know the stories that I've heard. There's a couple of astronauts that were going to say something, and all of a sudden they either weren't feeling well or, or went somewhere. I guess he. Because they were going to expose something. Well, and here's another thing on that particular report. It says it moved from east to west, retrograde, so was not a satellite and lasted about a minute. So wow. this, this guy even obviously knows the directions of the normal <laughs> satellite routes, the space station, and this one was totally opposite. I'm sure yep. they do. Yep. So that I have that printed right here. Wow. That's one of the ones I printed out. Here's another one that you have on the coastline of Rhode Island, uh, off of Providence, Rhode Island. An, oh, yes. An egg-shaped object passed. That, that was the case I cited earlier, Skip. Oh, that was it. Okay. The airline pilot who was ah. in touch with uh, the TRACON, or the uh, radar control center. Mm-hmm. And That's, he, yeah. was, he, uh, he was a young pilot. He was in his mid-20s. He admitted that he was badly shaken by what went by his aircraft. I think in that report he says that he believes the egg-shaped object, black as charcoal, passed within 50 vertical feet of his the his starboard wing, and it was moving very fast. 50 feet? Within 50 vertical feet of uh, his aircraft. Whoa. That would shake me up. Yep, it did shake him up. I Wow. But you know yeah. what stu- stood out in that in, it, in that report? What, again? what stood out in that report for me was that it said the sun had already set below the horizon, but the western sky was still very bright orange and ground detail was still easily identifiable. 
which yeah. means this guy he had no 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 uh, difficult time in this. This has to be clear. There's he, yeah he couldn't have he definitely made would a know a black a black object if right. it was there. And it's yeah. well confirmed by the audio which I mentioned earlier yeah. in this program. And I have the radar data, although in order to play radar data, you need the FAA equipment to be able to do so. Oh, yeah. And I don't have that. I don't have access to that equipment, of course. Yeah, that'd be a little this pretty penny. It's so fascinating. Yeah. You know, let me run through some in Washington State. Let me read a couple of things, a few things off, and then, then you can comment about them. You've got one here that says Beacon Rock State Park, Washington. Observed yep. about 20 bright orange glowing lights at a relatively fast rate of speed over the Columbia River Gorge. Yep. And then here's another one from Beacon Rock. That's the same one, different report. Where is Beacon or, Rock? It's it's in over the Columbia River Gorge. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, orange spheres moving across the night sky that look like fire. And then there's another one from Seattle, Washington. Uh, stationary object high above SeaTac or Boeing Field is where it appeared to look like. Um, we both saw uh, something extend out of it temporarily for 15 to 20 seconds and then retract. And then approximately 30 seconds later, it did the same thing again. Yeah. It appeared to me to be an arm with something circular at the end of the arm. What the? I mean, this is right in our own backyard, right here in Seattle oh, yeah. or yeah. in the Washington area. Well, I think we are kind of a hot spot, aren't we? The you hear about UFOs around Mount Rainier and well, you got Boeing, you got the military, you got the yeah. Bangor submarine base, which is another case here. Yeah, three to four hundred feet off the ground, moving slowly and slightly directly over the Bangor submarine base. Distance from me, approximately three quarters of a mile. Total diameter. Approximately 100 feet in diameter. Holy yeah. See, where do you where, where do you park a thing like that? <laughs> well, the question I have is, where do you park one of the objects that went over Phoenix yeah. back in uh, yes. March of 1997? The objects that were coursing over Phoenix during the Phoenix Lights event. Well, I I will share with our audience the raw data I have. They one of them that hovered above Camelback Mountain was 9,000 feet above ground level. Wow. And at that time, it subtended an arc of an estimated 135 degrees. That's enough information to allow a person to do the trigonometric calculation at how big the object was. And it, it translates to a chevron-shaped object that was 8.23 terrestrial statute miles from wingtip to wingtip. Wow. Where do you park it? Exactly. Where do you manufacture something like that? In space. Has well, to be. One thing it always leads me to do is chuckle at those people who say, well, there can't be life in the, around that star because it doesn't have any planets. <laughs> so we're dealing with people, creatures, sentient creatures, yeah that apparently have a command of technology that allows them to build sophisticated craft of the, by our standards, immense size. Yeah, and I bet you they probably don't park it. They probably just cloak it. Well, yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a hover. It's so it's always, like a mothership or something. Yeah. It's like talking to a European caveman from 50,000 years ago. Yeah. He, if you told him there's a place called Kansas, where there are thousands or millions of people who live, yeah. Yeah. the reaction of that caveman would be, obviously it's folly because, first of all, the concept of Kansas is only a fictional concept. And number two, obviously nobody could live there because there are no caves in Kansas. Right. It's too flat. <laughs> yep. That's so true. That's a good point. That's so true. That is a really good point. Ah. It, you know, why... Why? I mean, let, let back up. I got so many questions I want to spit out. I know, out. but we got somebody on the phone, too. We got five minutes. Okay. Well, here, real quick. The, the shapes. I've noticed circular, cigar, disc, uh, round, egg-shaped, uh, egg-shaped with points on the bottom, I read in some of these reports and things yeah. like that. It's all over the board about the shape. And yeah. so it's, it's like um, th there's no limit to anything. And... It's uh, it's just a kind of crazy the way it's no matter what people see, you know, 
like you say, it could be a cave. It could be just a dugout in the hillside. Who knows? Yeah. But it just it's amazing that the different shapes, the different sightings, the different places, the different well, ways. Well, maybe different, different entities have different styles. I mean, we don't all live in the same kind of house. What you've just cited, Skip, suggests to me that there must be millions, possibly billions, of foci of civilization and different technologies <coughs> throughout the galaxy that we live in, throughout the Milky Way galaxy. Absolutely. Now, these creatures getting across the Milky Way galaxy is no mean feat, of course. No, uh, absolutely it's an not. It's place. But if creatures are coming from other galaxies to visit our galaxy, I am impressed. Yes. Yeah, seriously. Hey, we have a call. We got a caller. See I if we can run sure it quick. I want to make sure we get this in real quick. Jackie from Monroe. Jackie, hi. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Jackie. Yes, thank you. Hey, hi, I Jesse. love your guys' show. Last week you had a really cool UFO thing on, and now today I love it. And I just want to thank. Um, this gentleman for his uh, dedication uh, you. and yes. your passion. And I figured when I was hearing you talk, I kept thinking to myself, okay, you must have been abducted or have had contact <laughs> to be so inspired to say, hey, you know what? It's real. <laughs> so anyway, I just want to thank you all uh, for bringing this forth because I think that's the biggest, um, how would you say, uh, um voice is to have a platform to say this is real and who cares whoever wants to be dumbed down so be it i do kind of grapple with how much is this really more about our consciousness and our consciousness expanding to be able to have a higher level of consciousness to understand not only are there other uh uh, galactic families that we are related to, but Ex our DNA yeah. exactly they're, they're, so I, hybrid. I need to, to cut you off, Jackie, but we're running really short of time. Yeah, okay. and, but oh, thank yeah. you for thank calling. Thank you, thank you so much for calling and call back, please. Okay, we've got two minutes got to two do minutes. this real quick. So it looks like time's up. Yep. for Peter. Aww. Um, Peter, thank you so much. Um, we'll I, be contacting you. Maybe we can get an event going or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Couldn't have done this without you. No, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> but thank we'll do you. It again, maybe sometime. Oh, yeah. Yes. Definitely. And again, your your website is www.nufork. New Fork stands for National UFO Reporting Center, but it's newfork.org. Or an alternative address, which is easier to re remember, is just ufocenter.com. There you oh, go. Oh, hey, that's cool. Ufocenter.com. Yep. All right. Well, thanks again. We'll thank talk you, with Peter. you soon. Thank you very much. Okay. It's been a pleasure. Have a good uh, weekend. Thank you, uh, you too. Okay, Happy bye -bye. Labor Day to you. Uh -huh, thank you, thank you, you. too. Bye-bye. Our, our guest next week is going to be um, Michael Cremo, and he's the author of The Forbidden Archaeology, The History of the Human Race. So we got some really cool stuff to talk about next week. So You're going to find out the truth about human history, not the things that we've been told or, or taught. So a week ago we talked about contact with aliens this week we talked about sightings of ufos and and their craft and next week we're going to talk about the real history of the human race i tell you it's going to be very interesting pretty soon we're going to know so much we won't know what to do we want to say <laughs> again that we want to thank our sponsor ginger's pet rescue definitely check out her saving her thousands of weekend. death row dogs yep. gingerspetrescue.org and if there's anything you've heard today go ahead and uh and uh, you know what? Contact us if you have questions. You know what this whole thing is about? It lets us know exactly what a wonderful world we live in. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week, Saturday.